studying God's Word in the next few minutes, and we're starting a brand new series called Strong Life. Now, before I dive into that series, I just want to take a moment to, um, to share a couple of things. Wasn't last Sunday awesome, Easter Sunday, uh, a Sunday of great resurrection. It was an exciting day. I, I hope it was an exciting day for you personally. I know it was an exciting day for us corporately. And um, I can tell you that as, as I, don't often, I don't get to take a vacation a lot, but when I do, I really invest in my family. As a matter of fact, I normally tell my staff, don't call me unless it's birthing, bleeding, or what's the other one? Yeah, or it needs burying. That's my three Bs, birthing, bleeding, or it needs burying. Um, and so I've been kind of out of touch this week. I did respond to a few texts. I did respond to a few emails. But you know how it is when you come off vacation. You, you actually feel a little bit unplugged, but at the same time, you're okay with it. You know, you're like, that's okay. I took some time to just kind of unplug from the world a little bit. Um, and, and yet, here we are as I get to come back. I'm so excited about this new series we're starting. We're starting a series called Strong Life. And it's going to feel like, if you're with us during this entire series, it's going to feel like we're covering a lot of topics because we are going to try to touch upon so many different issues in our life that we really want to know, that we've got firm foundation and we are strong in those areas. And sometimes they might be, sometimes seemingly maybe far removed. Today we're going to talk about faith, being strong in your faith, being rooted and deep and just completely in concrete in your faith. And yet in a few weeks we'll be talking about marriage, you know, and then we're going to talk about money. We're going to talk about so many different aspects. And I just want to encourage you, don't miss a part of this series, because at the end of this series, I pray that everybody who's been a part of this uh, study in the Scripture will be strengthened in their faith to the place of being able to say, yeah, i got a strong family, i got a strong church, i got a strong life, i got a strong faith. Um, I wanted to speak just a minute before we start studying God's Word today to uh, some of the new faces that are already learning that uh, Harvest Point is going to be their new home. You know, this is a new place for us. We've only been here a few weeks, really. Um, Yet it's an exciting time and season in our life. You know, the Harvest Point is only 14 years old, still relatively a young church. I often tell people, um, you can oftentimes understand how, how a church acts according to its age. And so I want you to think about a 14-year-old. Now, 14-year-olds are something else, aren't they? Anybody got a, ever, you ever had a 14-year-old living in your house? Uh, we're 14 years old, and, and I don't have a 14-year-old, but I've had three of them come through my house. Uh, I got a 15-year-old about to turn 16. I know what it's like to have a 14-year-old. It's a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. Sometimes you've got to direct it the right way, you know? Um, and, and, and that's kind of who we are as a church right now. We're a 14-year-old church, and um, it's exciting to be moving into this new home that we have been prayerful for for the last year we've been building right here in the Locust Grove area. And I wanted to just take a moment to say to many of you who are kind of new to Harvest Point, um, welcome. And, and I hope that you are enjoying this journey that you've uh, kind of found here with this group of God's people. We are an unpretentious group. That's, that's who we are, okay? We are an unpretentious group. We just really want to be about growing in our faith, learning about Jesus, and living authentic lives that honor God. And so I'm so glad to uh, be meeting every week new people, new faces, learning new stories, right? Learning new stories and getting to know some of you. Um, some of you guys have been asking about membership in the church. You're already very excited and want to kind of be joining in, and that's exciting. 
there'll be a new Connections class that's, that's starting very soon. You can be a part of that. That's kind of the way that you kind of learn who we are. Um, and it also gives you, you, you a chance to get to know me a little bit better and me to get to know you. So listen out for our new Connections class. While you're waiting on that, if there's one word that I would give to you about your new journey here at Harvest Point, it's simple. Enjoy. I mean, do you, guys, that's what we're here to do. The Bible says the chief aim, I'm sorry, not the Bible, uh, one, one of the, the, the Westminster, Westminster Catechism says the chief aim of humanity is to enjoy God forever and bring him great glory. You know, isn't that what our lives are all about? Being able to bring God glory, make much of God, and to enjoy him forever. Not just in this life, but forever. There is the beauty of what God is all about. And I would just tell you, I, I hope you're meeting new friends. I hope you're just excited about this place that God's brought you. We're excited, and we're glad that you're here. Well, we're starting a brand new series today. And today I'm going to talk to you about being strong in faith, okay? Now, if, I were, if the question of the day was, how do I get strong in my biceps, you know, it, it wouldn't be real... Most people in this room would figure that out. You know, do a few extra curls, you know. Do some, do some bench pressing and you're going to get strong in your biceps. If the question of the day was, how do I get strong in my pecs or in my abs? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of commonsensical. Most of us know that, right? Man, why don't you try doing some bench presses? Why don't you try to do more crunches, you know, more sit-ups? If those were the questions of the day, and they're not, but if those were the questions of the day, then most of us would probably know how to get stronger, how to have a stronger life. But if the question of the day is, how do I get stronger in my faith? Then the answers don't quite come as easy as they might if you were just trying to make a muscle strong. Now, some folks might say, well, okay, I kind of know how to get stronger in my faith. Start showing up to church more, you know. Or, or maybe, you know, you guys heard me talk about getting that chair getting that Bible and spending just 15 minutes with it and watching what God can do in your life and just that short, maybe it's reading my Bible more. Yes, coming to church, being with other Christ followers, reading your Bible. Maybe somebody would say, praying more, that will give me more faith. The answer to all of those questions are, yes, those things can build up your faith, but here's the problem. Why do so many of us sometimes do those things? We're, we're regular in church, we're reading our Bible, we're praying, but then we sometimes feel weak in our faith. Why is that? Now, I want you to think about this. As I start out this series today, here's the kind of big issue of the day. We serve the God of all power. We serve the one who flung the stars into space. We serve the God of the universe, the creator of everything that is, and yet this is what he says. He put his power in us. And then we go, huh, why is it sometimes that I don't necessarily feel very powerful in my faith? That's what I want to talk to you about today. How do you live a life where you feel a strong faith in your life day in and day out? Instead of having those questions like, why do I feel so weak? Or, man, why am I so tempted sometimes and just fail over and over again? Or maybe somebody here today, when it comes to your issue in faith, you would say, I want to be one of those people who takes more risk, who, who has great faith, and yet sometimes I shrink back from the risk. I, I don't want to take the risk. I, 
I, I back up. I feel like I'm backing up instead of moving forward in my faith and being strong in my faith. Well, today, I want to talk to you about something in my life that has become a game changer. When I first studied it in Scripture, when I found the truth, it opened up my eyes in a way that made the whole paradigm of everything I knew about God shift. And, and I've chosen to start off this series here because I think it is such a revolutionary concept that we're going to study from God's Word today that it, will, it can change the way you live day in and day out. So if it's okay today, what I want to do is I want to, instead of picking one scripture or two scriptures, I want to take you on a field trip of the Bible, okay? We're going to stop at a few different places. We're just going to watch what God's doing in people's lives. And we're going to say, hey... How did that impact their faith? And in the process, if you will go with me on this field trip in the Bible here, I think you'll see how God can really give you a strong, strong faith. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. And we're going to start off um, in the Bible at this story of the people's deliverance from Egypt. Now, it's shortly after the 10th plague of Exodus, you know, and you remember that Exodus story. Moses goes and he tells Pharaoh, let my people go, and, and they get all these plagues. But on the 10th plague, do you remember what that one was? The angel of death, right? The angel of death passed over, and, and the Israelites had put the blood of the lamb over their doorposts, and every firstborn uh, child was killed, and Pharaoh's, his own child was killed, and that was the straw that broke the camel's back. He said, let them go. Let these Israelites go get them away from me. And so the Israelites head out with Moses away from Egypt, and they are journeying towards the land of promise, the, the land that God had promised them, their ancestors. And, 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 and as they're journeying, as they're going, all of a sudden, Pharaoh does the economic math in his head, right? And he thinks to himself, wait a minute, I am letting all these slave, this slave labor goes. It, it's almost like a uh, in his mind, he could see the Egyptian economy just going down and down, you know, and he thought, I have made the biggest mistake in my life. And he tells his army troops, he says, listen, go back after them and go get them. We're not letting them go. Now, the, the Israelite army, they're moving at a snail's pace, you know. They're, they're a whole bunch of people moving just so, and here comes Pharaoh's army pursuing them. You remember this story, right? And, 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 and as they are approaching the Red Sea, the Israelites... God gives them a little circuitous path. They, they don't get to go straight to where they wanted to go. God has a plan. And he even says it there in Exodus 14. His plan is that he wants to do something big in front of Pharaoh so that all of Egypt would realize who God is, okay? Now, what's interesting is, as the Israelites are getting close to the Red Sea, they don't have any boats, Right? And, and they don't have anything that's going to get them across this massive sea. And, and Pharaoh's army is closing in. And the, the Egyptians obviously have an evil intent. They're going to kill them or they're going to take them back to Egypt as slaves. And guys, it's almost like the image of the OK Corral. I mean, this is a showdown of epic proportions. This is setting up to be a slaughter fest. Because Israel is not going to be able to stand up to the power of the Egyptian army that is coming their way. And if you've got your Bible, maybe you'd even pick it up with me in verse 10 of chapter 14. The Bible says, as Pharaoh reports, the Israelites looked up, 
and there were the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. Now, now read this scripture with me real quickly. The, the Bible says, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm. Listen to Moses' words. Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you need only to be still. Let me just hit the pause button right there. How would that fly with you if Moses told you that, okay? Now, if you're standing there, you got no boats being able to cross the Red Sea. Moses stood up and he said, listen, <laughs> God's going to fight for you today. All you got to do is stand still. By the way, there have been some times where as a pastor, I had to stand up and give some pretty bold words to this body. And I wondered how they're going to receive my words. And I wondered when Moses stood up and he said that, I wonder, I wonder if he was looking in their eyes and thinking, are you, are you, are you, who's with me? Are we going to see this thing through, you know? And the people, they, 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 were, they were desperate. I mean, they saw that their lives were about to, be, about to be called upon, you know, by the Egyptians. They were about to die. How would you respond? You know, here's what happens. Evidently, Moses cries out to God, and Moses says, Hey, God, you going to help out here? Now, this will blow your mind. Read it with me. The Bible says right after that, he said, right after Moses' words, Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the, tell the Israelites to move on. Now, I want you just to grasp that for a minute. Evidently, Moses cries out to God and said, God, I, we need your help. We need your deliverance. I've told these people that, that all they've got to do is stand firm. We will see you defeat the Egyptians. And then God says something that would probably blow your mind if you have any kind of you know, understanding about this, you know, the God who, who would respond a certain way. God says, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people, get on, move on. You see that there? It's in the Scriptures, right? God says to Moses, listen. I've told you what I'm going to do. He had already revealed to Moses he was going to open the Red Sea and they were going to walk through on dry ground. And he looks at Moses and said, listen, why are you talking to me? Tell the people, get to moving. All right, now how would that fly with you, right? I want you to think about that one for a minute. What if Moses stood up in front of you and said, okay, guys, see the water? See where you're at? I want you to start walking towards the water. And something's going to happen between where you're at and where that water is. And some of you guys, I know you well enough that you would look at me and you would go, we need a new leader, all right? <laughs> we need some, somebody else to have a better plan than this one, right? I mean, what is the plan here? Are you serious? Start walking towards the water? Now, what I'm sharing with you today, and the reason I'm going to take you on this field trip all around the Bible, is there's a, there's a unique thing that happens here, and that if you will grasp it, this can, this can be a game changer for you. Because what God is saying here is, notice this, He's saying, if you will take off, if you will move, my power will show up as you go. But if you stand right there, I ain't going to do it yet. All right? 
God is saying between where you are and where the water is, if you'll get to moving, my power will show up. You got your pen? Go ahead and write down that first point of the day that I wanted to share with you. And that is that God's power shows up along the way. So if we will, if we will just begin to move in the general direction that we think God is telling us to go, God says, now my power is going to show up along the way. I'm going to do something big if you will just get to moving. Now, guys, this whole power along the way concept, that's what I want, to, I want you to grasp that today. This power along the way concept is, is something that you will find throughout Scripture. Now, you know the rest of the story, right? You know what happened. The people started to walk, and, and before they ever made it to the water's edge, Moses raises up his hands. The water part, they walk through on what kind of ground? Dry ground. They walk all through the night. There's so many of them in the Red Sea, so big. They walk all through the night, and then before it's over, God's waters come crashing down on the army of Egypt, and the story is still being told today of what God did for His people when they finally started walking. Now, see, one of the things we like, here's, here's how we like to have it. We would rather have God do his thing while we stand still, all right? We would rather just stand there and say, okay, you open, you know, part the waters for us, God. We'd rather God do his miracle-working power before the crisis happens, right? Come on, God, show up and do your thing before the big need. But God doesn't do his thing before that moment. And the faith is in the journey. This, this moving along the way is where God's power shows up. When I finally started to get that, guys, when I finally started getting, listen, that it was going to happen when I got myself into gear and I started moving towards where he was calling me to go, that's when he would show up and do his thing. When I finally got that, it started changing the whole way I operated in my, in my own level of faith, in my own faith living. Here's another example. Got your Bible, turn over to John 3. Uh, I'm sorry, Joshua 3. Joshua 3. Let's read another story. You remember this story, right? The people of God, now they're not at the Red Sea. Now they're at the Jordan River, and they're about to march into this land that God has promised them, this, this place that we would call today modern-day Israel. But Joshua is told to do a little, little different thing. What Joshua is told is this generation is going to finally move into the land but the river is at flood stage, all right? It's not just a regular river. The river is over its banks. It's, it's at flood stage. And this time, God tells Joshua, I want you to get the priests, the ones who carry the ark. I want you to tell them to go out first, stand in the middle of the river. And as they start to go, I'll start setting the water back. I'll start pushing it back. And as they go, everybody's going to walk across on dry ground. Now, let me hit the pause button again. How would that sit with you? If Joshua said to you and your family, let's just, let's just picture you and your five, you know, your five or six family members. If he said to you, here's what we're going to do. See that big old flood river right there? What you're going to do is you're going to walk across it. Here we go. You ready? And what if you just pictured, for example, you were third in line, okay? You were third in line, and you were the ones right there, and you start to walk towards that river, and it looks, like a, it, it looks like a flood river. Have you ever seen a river at flood stage? I mean, it's moving. It ain't just there. It's moving at flood stage. And you're thinking to yourself, is, is y'all coming with me? What, what, what are we doing here, you know? But you know this story, right? What does God do? 
the, the, uh, the, the, the priests, they start to walk out in the water. Read it with me in Joshua chapter 3. Uh, uh, God had said, tell the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the Jordan waters, go and stand in the river. Now, this time the water doesn't part. They actually start walking into the water and 17 miles up the river, the Bible says God starts holding the water back. And so as they begin to keep walking out into the river, the water just keeps dropping where they are, dropping, 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 until they are standing in the very middle. And then the Bible says, the priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Now, you know what? If you and I were, were told by Joshua, hey, I want you just to go on and march towards that water, most of us would say, that's crazy. That really? Are you serious? But what does God do? God says somewhere between where you are and when you land, you know, your feet touch the edge of that water or where you start to walk in, my power will show up. Trust me, get to moving. Get to moving. And you know what happens? God holds back the water and they walk through on dry ground. Now, by the way, I was, I was even this morning as I was uh, just reading this scripture one more time, the thought crossed my mind, what would it have been like to be one of them? To, to see the priest walk out there, to see the water shrink down, and then all of a sudden, to his eyes started to walk by with my little family. You know, I picture my little family walking by, and we walk right past the priest and the Ark of the Covenant, which is the symbol of God's presence. We walk by that, closest could be, walking through, and then we put our feet on the other side, and we said, look what God did. You know, the Bible says that God did it that way. This is, pretty, this is pretty impressive. The Bible says God did it that way so that when they got into that new land, they knew they were going to have to fight for that land. They knew they were going to have to conquer and fight and battle nation after nation. They were going to take over that new land. But God said he did it that way so they would know they could defeat every people if he was with them as they went through that land. What am I saying? Notice the shared principle of those two stories. And that's our two, first two stops on a field trip, Okay. Notice the shared principle. God is saying, from where you're at, if you'll move in the direction I'm telling you, if you'll just get to moving, my power will show up along the way. Next little field trip. Go with me, if you will. Uh, turn over to John chapter 2. John 2. You remember that? This is, one of the, this is the very first miracle Jesus ever did. Uh, one of the miracles that most people remember or have heard about and it's the place in the scripture where Jesus does his first miracle because he's at a wedding. And you remember this story probably. They run out of wine. And Jesus' mama, by the way, has pretty good faith in Jesus. And she says, hey, uh, they've run out of wine. I want you to do, she tells some servants, I want you to do whatever Jesus tells you to do. You remember that story? And Jesus says, wait a minute. You know, it's not my time yet, but he's going to honor his mom. And so what does Jesus do? The Bible says Jesus tells them to go fill six huge cisterns with water. Now, he tells them to go do this because he has a plan in mind. Now, read with me what the Bible says in, in John chapter 2, verse 7. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them, I like this phrase, to the brim. Now, I want you just to picture a bucket or a glass when you fill it to the brim. Just picture something filled to the brim. Normally, can you see what's in the thing that you just filled to the brim? All right, can you? 
And if it was water and you filled it to the brim, do you think you'd be able to see that it was water, right? Jesus says, go fill it. And the Bible says the servants didn't just fill They filled it up as high as it could go. Six big cisterns. They, they filled it to the brim. And then Jesus told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet, who was the guy who basically tasted everything and said, man, this is, you know, this is how it goes. And he was willing to serve it from there. And you remember this story, right? Now, let me hit the pause button. What would you do if Jesus told you to fill up six cisterns of water and now go take it and serve it to the person like it's wine? Don't you think in your mind you would go, <laughs> what? I just put the water in it. I know that it's water, yet you're asking me to go take this stuff and give it to him and act like it's wine? I mean, most of us would say, it's water. I know because I put it in there. But here's what I want you to grasp. Notice the principle. Somewhere along the way, what was water turns into wine. And the Bible says that when the master of the banquet tasted the wine, he said, this is the best stuff. Why didn't you serve this one first? This is better than any wine we've had. Now, I want you to grasp the principle. If you were one of those servants, how cool would it have been to put water in the jar, in the bucket, right? Dip it out, and then somewhere along the way, that thing turned into wine, and you watch it, and you go, wait a minute. Now, I want you to think, I want you to grasp this. What would happen to your faith if somewhere along the way you filled up water and it turned in? What would happen to your faith? Remember, what, what are we talking about today? We're talking about your faith getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Here's the principle. Along the way, God's power shows up if there's movement going. Another field trip. Turn with me real quickly. Turn over, and I'm just going to stop maybe a couple more. Okay, Luke chapter uh, 17. You remember this story, right? There are 10 lepers who, um, who are outside of a village that Jesus comes to one day. Jesus is going to the village. While Jesus is about to go inside the village, these 10 lepers, they cry out. And they basically say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, I like to think of this as their moment where they're saying, hey, I wonder if Jesus does lepers, you know? <laughs> does Jesus do anything for lepers? And they cry out, you know? And by the way, Jesus does do lepers, right? And so... They cry out, and, and read with me in Matthew 17, verse 12. The Bible says, As he was going into a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they called in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. Well, let's just hit the pause button right there. Again, put yourself in their place. If you had leprosy, and Jesus said to you, okay, even from a distance, because they couldn't come to close to Jesus, even from a distance, if Jesus said, you go show yourself to the priests, I wonder what kind of attitude you would have. I wonder what you'd be thinking in your mind. See, I like, I, I, what do you think the ten? Was there one of them that said, huh? Huh? I mean, if you can heal me right now, heal me right now, why have I got to go show myself? I mean, in, in that, in maybe that, in that leper's mind, maybe he was thinking to himself, you're asking me, to leave from right here, walk into a city that I'm not even supposed to go into, show a guy who was kind of, you know, the priests in that day were kind of the guys who, they were the rule makers. They, they said you either had a healing or not. They said something was a miracle or it wasn't a miracle. You want me to go show myself to a priest 
And when I stand in front of him, I'm going to look at him and I'm going to say, am I leprous? And he's going to say, of course you are. And he's going to tell me something I already know about myself. Are you serious? But maybe there's another one of them who said, hey, guys, let's go. Let's see what happens. Notice what happens. Oh, by the way, can we read this? Let me, you might want to circle something here in your scripture because it's one of the most beautiful words. The Bible says, I uh, lost my place. And, uh, verse 14, and as they went, you might want to underline those three words, and as they went, they were cleansed. Now, I want you to notice, God's power shows up somewhere between where they were and where he tells them to go. As they're moving along the way, God's power shows up. Now, here's what I want you to grasp. When you got your pen, I'm going to ask you to write down a couple points, and I'm going to show you how this works, okay? The second point I want you to write in your notes there is, is this. Faith is exercised in the movement. In every one of these stories... Faith, as they start moving towards the water, as, as they start moving towards the, the, giving the, the water to the banquet holder, and, and as they start uh, moving towards showing the priests their sickness, every one of these, they're having faith, all right? This is their moment to stretch their muscle. This is their moment to exercise their faith in believing and moving, all right? Here's the, second, here's the third thing I want you to write down. I want you to write down, my faith gets stronger when I look back at what God has done. Now, every one of those stories, as they started to move, and as God started to do something big, and His power showed up, in every one of those stories after the miracle happened, don't you think their faith was stronger? Don't you think they knew that God could do things they had no idea that God could do? And here's the cool thing. If you pick up your Bible and you start reading the stories of the Bible, here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice how many stories when great faith, when great faith was done by something incredible, you know, you look back and you go, man, could I ever have as much faith as him? Just as you read those stories, ask yourself, what movement is going on? Because God's power shows up along the way. And when I started thinking about it, guys, here's what I want you to grasp. When I started understanding this, that it wasn't when you're still that, that, that God's power shows up. It's when you start to move towards the general direction. You think God's calling you to go, that God's power. When I finally started getting that, I started reading through the Bible, and I started realizing in almost every story of great faith, not everyone, but in almost every story of great faith that people had, there was movement. I mean, David feels like God's called him to take on a giant. He doesn't say, hey, let the guy have a heart attack instead of me grabbing a stone. David says, you know what? I'm going. And if he kills me, he kills me, but I'm going. And God's power shows up along the way. Esther stands in front of Mordecai, and she says, who, me? And Mordecai looks at her and says, hey, maybe it's just for this very moment God puts you in place right there. And what does she do? She plans a date with the king. She thinks he's going to ask for a life, and God's power shows up along the way the way. You find anybody in this book, in the Old Testament, New Testament, you'll see so many times there's stories of faith or stories where they were doing something and they were moving towards the general direction. You know, a few weeks ago I preached about those four friends who, who grabbed their paralytic friend and they cut the hole in the roof, right? See, they weren't sitting still. They weren't sitting on their couch going, oh man, I wish, I wish God would heal Joe, you know? I wish he would. I just wish he'd do something. They heard Jesus was close by. So what did they do? They got, their, they got their self in motion. 
And in the process, God showed up as they were going along the way. Now, I'm going to say it again. If you can grasp what I'm talking about here, this can revolutionize your life. When I first started to get this, I started to look back on my life, and I started to realize that at every great moment of faith, where God did anything of great power in my life, it was always because there was, I was not sitting still. So, so let me give you a few examples of my story. God calls me at 13 years of age to be, a, to be a, in ministry for the rest of my life. I thought I was going to do music for the rest of my life. I go to my pastor, and what does my pastor say? Hey, why don't you go be a youth missionary for the summer? Why don't you give your life away to France for the summertime? I wasn't sitting at home in Augusta, Georgia, I got up and I started moving and God's power showed up and all of a sudden it was like a flood, like a, like a pipe to my life. God opened up his power into my life. And all of a sudden, wow, wow. I grew so much in God. I grew so much in my faith. Why? Because I was moving. I wasn't sitting still. I'll never forget being at the University of Georgia and feeling like God was calling me, you know, I got somewhere else for you to be. And I could have sat there and I could have said, okay, God, I would, you know, reveal to me, show me the signs, open up a billboard, bring somebody to me. I didn't do that. You know what I did? I said, God, well, the best I know is that I'm just going to start visiting places and I'll let you speak to me along the way. And every, every weekend I'd get in my car and I'd drive to a campus and I'd pray on that campus. Next weekend I'd get in the car and I'd drive to a campus and I'd pray on that campus. I just knew God was calling me somewhere else, and he didn't want me at Georgia anymore. See, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying is there are moments in our life where we get stuck, and we think, okay, God, I'm, do your thing. Do your thing now, and I'm just going to kind of wait on it. You've got to write it on the board. You've know, you, you got to do it, and I'm just going to sit back and wait for it to be done. And what I'm telling you is, guys, in the Bible, you hardly ever, there are moments, there are moments where Jesus does a miracle, and they didn't do a thing. But most of the time, God's power is showing up because somebody's already moving in the general direction they were telling them to go. Many of you don't even know this. I'm going to tell you a story. Most of, I bet nobody in this church knows, maybe including my wife. We got ready to plant this church. I asked a group of people, hey, would you be the core group that will help me plant this church? I asked them for five key things. I asked them to tithe to a church that didn't exist yet. I asked them to pray daily for a church. I said, give me your Wednesdays. Give me your Sunday mornings. Give me your Sunday nights. I asked them for five things, and I had some people sign on, and they were about crazy. They didn't even hear me preach. They didn't know what we were going to do. They said, all right, let's go. We're going to do something big for God. I said, all right, let's go, right? And, and after they all signed on the dotted line, I got stage fright. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know. Am I, am I crazy? I mean, I, I'm, guys, I've never planted a church before. And, 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 and I got, I'm not kidding you. I got, I got stuck. I didn't even know I was stuck. I got stuck. And, and after they committed in, there was two weeks that I was afraid to move. And I knew what God was telling me to do. I was afraid to move anything. And, I, and one of my very first staff persons, maybe some of you remember Mary Grayson, Mary Grayson, dear friend of mine, our first children's pastor here at Harvest Point, she walked into my office one day. She shut the door behind her. She pulled up her chair right up, to, right up in front of my desk. And she looked at me and she said, Who am I? Who am I to ask you what I'm about to ask you? She looked at me and she said, What are you waiting on? She said, you have people that have agreed to go with you to plant this church that doesn't exist yet. You've studied for a year in your doctoral program on how to plant a church for Jesus Christ. She said, we believe in you. We believe in the vision you've given us. 
What are you waiting on? And you know what? I was, I was like that moment where, where I could look off and I could see the Red Sea. And I was like, ha, 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 I was afraid. I fear. Fear had grabbed a hold of me. And she walked in that day and she spoke the word of God to me. And she said to me, listen, don't you be afraid. Let's go. And I got to tell you guys, that day, I said, that's right. You're right. Somewhere between where we're at right now and the water's edge, God's power will show up. And that's what he did. That's what he did. And can I just hit the pause button? This is not just my story. Yeah. I could walk right through this crowd right here today and I could tell you, I could just pick out people and I could say, you know, this is your story. God called you to do something and you didn't sit there. You said, okay, God, best I know how. I'm going to get up and I'm going to start moving and your power is going to show up. I think about Fred and Sandy Brennan, this wonderful couple that have been at Harvest Point here. How many years, Fred? God called Fred and Sandy to adopt children. And let me tell you, you want to talk about something that wasn't on Fred, Fred's radar? Not on Fred's radar, you know. But all of a sudden, God puts it on Sandy's heart. God puts it on, starts putting it on Fred's heart. And they are like, are you serious, God? Now see, in their world, the miracle of little Bo and Zoe was not going to happen if they just stood back and said, well, okay, God, you just do it. You just do it. It wasn't going to happen. They had to exercise their faith, and they had to get to moving. And for them, it meant the, other, the literally other side of the world. They went to the other side of the world, and they got these beautiful children. And they saw the power of God show up in their life because of it. I think about Francis. Francis sitting in a, in a seat just like you are right now here today, and I'm preaching, and God tells her, listen, walk in the pastor's office, tell, tell him, I'm your next youth pastor. And he's going to think I'm blooming crazy. And she walked in, and, I, and, and she talked for an hour and a half, and I didn't say a word. And, 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 then, and then she, and, then, and, and you know what? She was, she was exercising her faith. She, was, she wasn't sitting back and going, well, maybe, maybe. the Lord, Lord, you speak to him, and he'll call me on the phone, okay? Johnny Dykes gets sick, gets a diagnosis. Now, you've heard of this craziness, right, where people get a diagnosis. They just sit back and say, well, I'm just not going to do anything, right? Johnny does two things, and that's how we saw the miracle of God happen. He trusted that God uses medical professionals. He trusts that, and he tried to put himself in the care of great medical professionals. But then what else did they do? They put Scripture all over their house, and they started quoting the Word of God for life. And somewhere between where he was and the diagnosis that he had, and then where he was going, the power of God showed up. See, what am I saying? I could keep going. I could walk all around this place. and I could. It's not just my story. It's your story. And this is how it works. When we get to moving in the general direction that God would have us to go, his power shows up. And here's what happens. God honors the movement because we are having faith, right? And then you get to the other side. Hallelujah. You get to the other side and you look back and you go, Wow! Look at what God did. And your faith stronger. Now, if you could grasp what I'm talking about here, guys. Am I saying that coming to church is important? Absolutely. Am I saying reading your Bible is important? Prayer? Yes. But what I'm saying is, sometimes, if you really want to have strong faith, you got to say, you know what? I'm not going to sit here on the couch anymore and expect God just to come through the door and deliver it, you know? 
I, I some, I've, met folks, uh, I've met folks before, and that's the way they operated, you know. Well, God's just going to have to write it on a sign. God's going to have to show up. See what I'm saying. Let me, let, me, let me break this down at its lowest level. You can stay on that plan for a really long time and your faith not grow at all. And you can stay on that plan for a really long time and not see the power of God. Or maybe, maybe, just maybe, you'd switch plans. And you say, you know what? My pastor said in the Bible... The way God operates is if I get my tail up off this couch, if I say, you know what, I'm not going to wait on the billboard anymore or the sign, if I start moving in just the general direction I think He'd have for me to go, in just the, that His power is going to show up. If I just get to moving. I want you to think about that for a minute. Because, see, what, I, what I'm inviting you to do is if you're stuck and if you're fearful and if you're waiting, I'm inviting you today to switch plans. I'm inviting you to discern the will of God for the place where He might want you, the general direction, and start walking towards it. What does that mean application-wise for us? You know, let me just break it down. There are some folks here that for you, you know you're in a relationship that you don't need to be in. And you keep thinking to yourself over and over again, well... Maybe something will happen and, and this thing will be broken off. Or maybe, maybe that person will come to me. You know you're not in a relationship and you're doing the comfortable thing that you just can keep on doing over and over again because you are, you're afraid. You're afraid you won't have somebody else, whatever. There are some folks that are in dysfunctional relationships and you really need to switch plans. There's some folks who you, you, uh, you've got some decisions to make. And you're saying, show me, God. Show me what you're going to, show me where you want me to go. It might involve your career. It might involve retirement. It might involve relationship. It might involve, you're, you're sitting there with a decision. You're just saying, show me, God. Show me. And you're no different than me sitting at the University of Georgia, and I was not going to figure it out uh, by something arriving in the mail, and a billboard wasn't going to happen. You need to get up, and you need to start moving in the general direction God, you think God would have you to go. And wait for His power to show up along the way. Some of us in this room, you might have an addiction to, to maybe alcohol or, or to some type of prescription drugs or something. And, and you're thinking, yeah, i got to change. I, I got to change. I, I know, I know I don't want to live this way. i got to change. But you keep living the same way. You keep doing the same stuff. You keep making the same decisions. And it ain't going to just change by itself. Some of us in this place, you, your dysfunctionality is not in relationships. It's in, and it's not in, you know, maybe with a, maybe with a substance like alcohol or, or nicotine or, or, or some type of prescription drug. or some type. Your, your dysfunctionality is with money. And you're thinking to yourself, one day I'm going to change. One day I'm going to change. One day I'm going to do something different. But you don't. And if you keep doing things the same way, you're stuck in that place. You need to move towards where God would have you to go and wait for His power to show up along the way. Can I just tell you, as a pastor, I meet people all the time who are stuck. They're, they're wanting a career change. They're wanting a career change. 
They're not doing the things they need to do. They're not actively getting into the place where they need to to see God's power. They're not sending out the resumes. They're not scheduling the interviews. They're just saying, okay, God, you solve it. God is saying, like he said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Get to moving. That's what God said to Moses. That's what God said to God's people. See, here's the deal. There are some of us in this room today, God's called you here today because He wants to grow your faith stronger, okay? He really does. It's almost, it's just like the Israelites when they were standing there, God said, I have a, I have a purpose. I'm going to show the Egyptians what I can do. Did you know there are things that God wants to show the world through your life? But if you're sitting on your couch and you're waiting for the billboard to, you know, read it on the sky, I mean, it could happen. But according to the Bible, more normally, what you have to do is you have to start moving in the general direction you think God's calling you to go. And then somewhere along the way, the power will show up. So, if you're sitting here today, you say, Stephen, how, how can I do this? I, I tell you what I've told others before. You just got to put one foot in the front of the other. You got to ask God for strength to take a step. And you're going to have to get it out of park. And you're going to have to move it in the drive. And you're going to have to do something to make a move towards God. James 4.8 says this. You take one step towards God and He will run towards you. So you got to get it out of park. What's it look like for you to get it out of park? I was talking to one young lady one time and she came to the altar and she was in an abusive relationship. One of those, not verbal you know, she was in one of those abusive physical relationships. And she said to me, she said, well, she, she had talked to me time and time and time again about getting out of this relationship, but she couldn't do it. She was stuck. Every time she, she'd, she'd stop, she couldn't do it. And I said, listen, best I know how, let, let, are you going to keep on coming up here telling me you need, to, you need to get out of a relationship? I know she'd done it ten times. I need to get out of this relationship. What are you going to do? I looked at her and said, what are you going to do? She said, I don't know. I said, let me make a suggestion. Why don't you go home? Why don't you just say, God, I'm going to drive to the driveway. Would you give me strength to drive to the driveway? And then when you get to the driveway, sit in that car for a minute and say, God, give me the strength to walk through that door. And then when you walk through that door, don't say a word. You say, God, give me strength to walk to my closet. And you walk to that closet. And when you get in that closet, before you do a thing, you just say, God, give me strength now. I need your strength to show up right now, God. Show up. And you start packing the bag right there. And then when you get that bag packed, you say, God, give me the strength to walk out of this house. And you don't need to say a word. You just say, God, let me. And you know what she did? She took me at my word that day. And she prayed step by step by step to the house, step by step to the closet. And God gave her strength to walk out of her relationship. You know, what, what, Stephen, how do I do this? Here's how you do it. You get the thing out of park, you get it in drive, and you start moving in the general direction you think God's called you to move. If that's a career change, what does it look like for you? If you've had an addiction, maybe here's what you need to do. You know what, this church, every Tuesday and every Thursday night at 7 o'clock, we've got an addiction program at this church. And maybe you say, I don't, even, I, don't, I don't want anybody to know. I don't want people to see it. You know what? You say, God, give me the strength to drive to the church parking lot tonight. 
And then you say, God, give me the strength to walk through the door. And God, give me the strength to walk in that room. Give me the strength to sit down in that chair, God, and help me, help me get this thing. And you, listen, you get the thing out of park, and you just get to move in the general direction God wants you to do. And you watch God's power show up. If you're a teenager and you're a part of this church, but you feel like you don't have friends or you, people don't know you or, you know, you don't, you don't have a place, you don't have a connection. Listen, what are you going to do? They're not, the, the teenagers of the church aren't just going to call you on the phone and say, we decided we all love you. We won't be your friend. It ain't going to happen that way. So what do you have to do? You've got to get out of part. You say, God, give me the strength to show up here. 6.30 on Wednesday night and start give me strength to be here with these youth give me strength to talk to somebody maybe make a friend God give me strength and you watch if you will start from where you're at and move in the general direction you think God's calling you to go you watch and see if the power of God doesn't show up and if the miracle of God doesn't happen in your life if you're sitting here today how <laughs> about this one what if you're like me what if you were 13 years of age, you know? But for you, it might be 43 years of age, and God's calling you to ministry. You say, I don't know, 63 years of age. I don't know about that. What do I have to offer? Let me tell you, if God's calling you to ministry, you don't answer the call to ministry by sitting still. It's not the how it works. But the best I can understand, it's not how it works. God's calling you to ministry, you've got to get the thing out of park. You've got to get in the drive. And you've got to start walking towards where He's called you in ministry and watch for His power to show up along the way. I could give you a thousand scenarios, but what I'm trying to tell you is this thing about getting strong in your faith, there's this, there's this thing that, that I just read in the Bible that says, this, I call it the along the way principle. If somewhere between where you are and where God's calling you, if you will just start moving towards that somewhere along the way. Jeff, I remember you wanting to go down to Nicaragua to watch over Emily. You had no idea what God was going to do, you know. But somewhere along the way, God did a phenomenal work. What is the general direction God's calling you towards today? Is there a big decision you got in your life? Is there something involving your career? Is it a relationship? Is it maybe just something that you want to do in your, your dreams or your aspirations? Or maybe there's, a, maybe there's a, something very hard God's, God's calling you to, like ending a relationship you know you shouldn't be in. Whatever God's calling you towards, if you'll just start in the general direction, His power will show up. And if you'll let His power work in your life, you'll look back and you'll say, wow, look what God did. And that's how your faith gets stronger and stronger and stronger. We keep moving in the general direction God's calling us to do. Would you bow your heads with me? I just want to invite you to think about your life, not somebody else's life. This message is not for your neighbor, it's for you. This is God's word for you today. There's somebody here today, you are so hungry for relationship, but you've been hungry for relationship for a really long time. And you know that God's got a, a, a girlfriend out there for you or a boyfriend out there for you, but you know, you know that you need to do something if you're going to honor God's 
desire that He's placed in your heart. What is that thing you're going to do? Somebody here today, you got a career decision to make. There's somebody here today that's got financial decisions to make. If you keep doing the same thing you've been doing, you're stuck. How can you move towards that general direction God might be calling you to go? God, today, right now, there's a lot of hearts talking to you. There's a lot of spirits open to you. And I know your Holy Spirit's in this place. And right now, around this room, we're all at different levels of our own faith in this place. Some of us might have been Christians for 70 years, and others of us might be newer in our faith, and still some just kind of kicking the tires on this thing called Christianity, just saying, are you even real? But God, I pray that today you'd honor every one of our places of faith around this place. And that, God, you'd show us What's the next place for us? For somebody here, it might be something simple, like, you know what? I'm going to start going to church regularly. I'm just going to take a step, because I think that if, if God's called me to go to church regularly, this is somewhere between here and that place. His power is going to show up. He's going to do something in my life. He's going to do something for my family. For somebody else here, God might be calling you to something major. It might be the biggest decision of your life. Are you willing to trust Him? Are you willing to get it out of park and put it in drive? Lord Jesus, here we are today, a bunch of harvest pointers. And, you know, we want to be like the people who started walking towards the sea and saw your power work. We want to be like the disciples who dipped out the water and in the process saw wine happen. We want this to be the testimony of our lives. And we want to be strong, faith-filled people. Lord, would you help us to be a people of movement? Lord, help us not to be the kind of folks who sit back on our laurels or sit on the couch and wait for something to happen, but give us boldness. Give us determination. Give us a heart that says, I will move. I will move, God, and I'm dependent upon you. Otherwise, I'm just going to be walking into the water and wading into the water, and I might drown. But God, I know you're going to show up before I make it there. And Holy Spirit, I just pray today you're moving all around this place, and each and every one of us in this place. You have that place for us. You have that next decision for us. Give us faith to move and trust that your power will show up in the way. If that's okay, I'm just going to, I feel God call me just to be still here for a minute and allow him to speak over people's lives. up at me for a minute you know uh, earlier today we showed a video on the screen we felt like we were supposed to show that video but I'll be honest with you as the pastor I was going okay it's pretty colors but what is this saying of worth that you know it didn't really grab me until right now the last words on that video were lo I am with you even to the end of the age you know Jesus said to his disciples after the resurrection listen I'm with you and I want you to hear the Word of God today. Some of us, God's called to do some really big things. It's going to cost us 
For some of us, it would take a lot of courage and a lot of faith. He is with you. You're not walking alone. So if God's calling you to do something big, fear not. Fear not, for He is with you. Jesus, today, as we move out from this place, as we get in our cars, we go to our houses, may we know, may we know that you will never forsake us. That you're the God of our past and our present. You're the God of our future. And if we will just walk with you like the guys on the road to Emmaus, you will open our eyes. Our hearts will burn within us. And along the journey, Jesus, you will show up. Lord, I pray that for every person here today. Help us to make these big decisions to get it out of park and move. And may our faith get stronger along the way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let the people of God say amen. Amen. Go God. Hey, don't miss a part of this series. It's going to be a great journey, strong life, all right? Have a blessed week, Harvest Point. Go with God, and may God's Spirit go with you.